Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the House of Pod. I'm Kave. I'm Lizzie. Hey, we kind of made that musical. That was nice. That was nice. Can I just tell you one thing real Please. quick that I was away for two weeks, which was yeah. weird and cool during COVID. Maybe and very sad. Yeah, I know. We, we texted a little bit, but we didn't really talk. And um, I was tempted to make Tyler on this two week trip because there was a lot of driving. Your boyfriend. To- we have to keep telling people. Sorry, that. Tyler, my boyfriend that I was going to make him listen to all 80 plus episodes of our podcast. And I told him the other day that he should thank me that mm. I did not. Wow. Cause that, that would have like, damaged him. I mean, yeah. like he wouldn't be the same after that. <laughs> He's like, I don't need to know this much about you. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a, that's like mainlining you in yeah, one trip. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway. Let's get straight to our guest. He's someone I'm really happy to have on the show. He's a comedian named Butch Escobar. He is really funny. He's this big, burly manly man of a man and he is such a gentle soul and he is spending so much of his time right now online battling conspiracy theories battling medical myths and i really appreciate what he's done for the medical community in general with this so i'm really happy for you to meet him um he's some he's an old friend of mine so i'm happy that you're going to get a chance to meet him too so before we do that I want to thank uh, Nadim for help with production. Um, I want to make sure everyone knows about our Twitter page. Make sure you're following us on Twitter if you're not already. If you haven't left a review for us on iTunes, please do so. Uh, Anything else we should plug? At the House of Pod. Twitter at the House of Pod. And let us know if you want some stickers. We got stickers. Welcome back to the House of Pod. Um, we are here joined by one of my favorite comedians, Butch Escobar. Butch, thank you Hi. for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. There's a lot we want to talk to you about. Um, the first thing, though, and this is one of the major reasons I wanted to have you on, is I really appreciate what you've been doing online. Now, 
you have relegated yourself to the world of fighting Facebook idiots. Like that is, that's become your thing. I think it's like your brand now at this point. That's my quarantine shtick right now. Wait, 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 sorry. Fighting Facebook idiots or just COVID idiots? Like which is, is it? I think mostly COVID idiots, but he will venture into other weird like shenanigans and other weird conspiracy theories. And it, other other pockets of idiocy. Well, you oh, know, but yeah. but here's here's why I I like what you do, and here's why I want to have you on the show, and why I want to show my appreciation, is that you know Lizzie and I, or me more, we're, I'm online, and other doctors are online, and we're constantly battling uh, factual inaccuracies, <laughs> myths, like just straight up nonsense. But when it comes from us, I mean, I don't know. You either are, are the kind of person that listens to doctors, or you're not. You are the kind of person, you're out there, you're able to speak to some of these people in a way that we cannot. And they listen to you in a way that they do not listen to us for, for multiple reasons. Like you, you can speak a language that we just don't seem to be able to do. And they respect you in a way that they, they don't respect doctors. Um, and I like how weird? you do it. It is weird, but you're able to do it. And I think what I like is you do it in this, in this way where you're like, you will talk shit you will confront someone on it. You will do it with humor. And then if they try to like step up or intimidate you, it's kind of a joke because it's clear that you would probably go <laughs> destroy whoever that person is physically if it ever came to that, which it never would because that's not your shit. You know, that toxic yeah. masculinity thing is not your thing. I think the thing is, is that you guys, you're, you're smart, intimidating people. You're doctors. To me, um, as, a, as a layman, I don't want to say as a stupid person because people go, well, you're not stupid. And I don't mean, I don't, I'm not insulting myself. Like, I'm just saying like, I feel I'm stupid in this world. And, um, and the one thing is, is that the most educated human being, the most valuable educated human beings on the planet are doctors, are scientists, are people who make this world go round. And the thing is, is that it's not that you guys speak differently. It's just that level of where you're at versus most of the people in this world um, are different. It's, it's relatability. It's, well, yeah, I, and, because it's, go ahead. No. And I was, I was going to say, do you think that people think doctors are like um, untrustworthy um, no. in terms of like big pharma and hospital systems and money and Medicare insurance? Or do you think it is the relatability factor? It's the relatability. I don't think yeah. they're the crazies definitely think you guys are, um, are uh, in the pocket are, of big pharma. In the pocket of big pharma. But I think that most of us just go, you know what? We're on two different levels. You know, you guys have, and you guys have these big brains and you don't know what it's like to have a small brain. And so, and, and we're the majority of the thinkers and the thing that I, and, and the one, one way that I broke into this thinking was I know what it's like, and it's not that you're smarter than me. It really isn't. It's not that you're smarter than me or that you know more than me. And I've learned this because I've spent 16 years dedicating myself to a craft and and um, and in a way, I've spent more time doing what I'm doing and going to school for what I do than doctors have. But one thing I do know for certain is that in order to to learn something and to master something, you have to spend a lot of time doing it. And the majority of us don't. The majority of us work at diners, or the majority of us work of work, work in regular jobs at grocery stores and stuff like that. So they we don't know what it's like to dedicate a lot of time. To learning something 
Yeah. And and so what I feel like I do is I bridge that gap because I'm someone who's still in the stupid category, but I'm someone who's still who also is in the I learned a lot about something category and I'm an expert at it. I think that's a, a great point. I think that um smart is subjective, you know, like Absolutely. I know I'm smarter than you in the field of gastroenterology, but there's so many other facets. Like some people are so gifted cooking and some people are so gifted you know, repairing things and gadgets and computer programming. And I think there's, and some people are just gifted listeners. Like I think there's so many ways to be gifted and smart or brilliant in certain facets that has nothing to do with education and, and pedigrees and diplomas. I I truly believe that. I would say even more so than that, it's not even about having any sort of innate intelligence. It's just a matter of what time and what you chose to dedicate your life to. Like, Butch yes. knows more about comedy than either of us will ever do because he's dedicated his life to it. You and I right. dabble in comedy for fun, but he's dedicated his life to it. I mean, we made a decision to become doctors, so we dedicated our life to that, and that's right. why we know what we know. And I agree. I th- it's not necessarily that we're smarter than the general populace or we have an innate ability. Some people may have an innate intelligence for medicine, but in general, the reason we're good at what we do is because we dedicated a shit ton of time to it. But... um what what I think is is interesting that I yeah, I think you're also getting at is that there is uh, insecurity about some of these people when they, they they hear us say something and when we give advice about what it's to a do matter why of to pride. wear a yeah about why to wear a mask to them it's sort of like they can't really articulate it they can't articulate why they don't trust us they can't articulate that they're insecure because of our knowledge or maybe some smart person made them feel dumb or maybe some doctor made them feel dumb or some nerd at some point made them feel stupid there's some the insecurity world. the world right. there's some insecurity they have and they can't articulate it so their reaction is to just say and do really weird I, shit and to bind to some really weird conspiracy stuff well it's yeah. it's i don't like you because you're smarter than me and that yeah. is, and that bothers me but right. I don't know, but I can't, and that's the thing is most people, because I've been there, I've been in that fog of, you know, like, um, I am that typical over-masculated dude, or at least I was. So I know the fog of that. I know they're like, oh, well, like, I don't know why I don't like you guys, but I know that I don't like you guys. But these uh, forever Trumpers over here are telling me it's because you guys are a bunch of shills in the government pockets. So you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and read this article in Breitbart. And now I know. And now I'm going to not like you guys and not trust you. And I'm yeah. never going to get to the bottom of why I don't like you. And I don't mean, and again, like for people out there, smart and dumb is subjective. And that's why I say I'm dumb. And I do know, like, because my girlfriend's always like, you're not dumb. But I do think all the world is a bunch of fools. Some of us just (laughs) know it. And some of us just Mm -hmm. don't. And that's really the difference. Yeah. You know, and and so no, most people don't know what it's like to dedicate yourself to something and to sit there and learn something all day long, and then become an expert at it. I'm an expert at comedy. And, and that's what I try to tell these people is like, you know why I trust doctors? Because my friend Kave or, or, or my friend Dr. Adami in Salinas or, you know, or um, a Priyanka Wally who is a doctor and a comedian, she's an epidemiologist, have spent time with me. And, 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 and I've been on the road with Priyanka and I'm pretty sure she's not going to tell me a bunch of bullshit because the government told her to do so (laughs) she's my friend she loves me this lady you guys have spent time learning something that i cannot even fathom 
just like you cannot fathom what it's like to be in the comedy world and to get bookings and to like work your way to the top you know so but it's not for you to understand that and it's not for me to understand medical that's why you're here so i don't have to read a million articles to figure out why i have asthma right we we appreciate the online work you're doing um and so far and all the the twitters and uh the tweets and everything <laughs> I know the twitters what is the what's the craziest thing you've seen so far that you're like what um one of them was today and it, and it this was is, this is a timely interview well because that's the thing man is it is it um every my day buddy, is fresh new horrors every, every, every day, day is, get, yeah every, every day we hit a new ceiling slash new low but i'll tell you know what i'm not going to use today's example because it's so dumb i'll tell you the dumbest <laughs> The dumbest thing that makes me angry and I want to punch myself over and over in the face is the Bill Gates conspiracy yeah. theory about yeah. a microchip being in, implanted in your body through a vaccine. Yeah. And I don't understand why these people who are typing on their smartphones uh, that track them, that <laughs> the, government, the government has already said we're tracking you through these things and that we're able to break into them anytime we want and get the information we need. And it tracks them, it takes pictures, it takes all their info. According to um, Elon Musk, it, it collects data every day, even, even if you're hovering over that purse and not clicking on it. And it knows everything about you. And then you pay to have this microchip with you all the time. <laughs> Why does Bill Gates, whether he's evil or not, want to put a microchip that's just going to track your movement? I mean, of all the billionaires and all the people who have monopolies right. that known about in the media, Bill Gates, I think, is probably like the nicest one of them all. Well, he's trying to do yeah. some good in the world. So right. It's, it's interesting that he would be the villain of this story, you know, instead of like... Well, Jesus I also or anyone else, you know? right? And I also have a personal. Um, I know I not don't know him personally, but I know him on a personal level. My mother ran a youth center in Morgan Hill, and um, she wanted to start a computer program for the Spanish-speaking parents so that they could learn how to um, work on their kids with their computers, and and you know, first of all, to get them computers and then teach the parents how to work on the kids with the computers. Huge and Bill yeah. Gates donated all the computers. He, do he not only donated Microsoft software, he donated, because he donated like five or six Apple computers and he donated Mac software. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and the competitor. Yeah. How many of those kids have chips in their heads right now, though? <laughs> I don't know how many. I don't know how many of them have chips in their heads, but they all have chips on their hips. Yeah, exactly. And that has nothing to do with Bill Gates. I've Wait, never how many, seen. How many? How many gallons of Kool Aid did he send with those computers? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's the thing is that I guy go. You listen to NPR. And they're like, this is brought to you by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I mean, they're good people. They God, are. I would so take an endowment from Bill Gates. Bill, if you're listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kave will take an endowment. I will take I will any sort yeah. of endowment. That sounded sexual. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Um, anyways, Whoa. so. <laughs> so talk, wait, Kave, are you talking to Bill or Melinda? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's see how the week goes. I'm open. <laughs> Um, so, uh, transitioning a little bit, you, you've talked about in your comedy, you've talked about your own health, everything from like hemorrhoids to diabetes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 
first first question is is uh you know is it hard to open up about yourself personally one thing about comedy i've never quite understood is is where the line is between what's real and what's not i know comedians will will oftentimes say hey it's comedy it's just comedy but then right. again i feel like very rarely does a comedian some like Anthony Jeselnik, I think, are just purely just saying we don't have stuff. a sense of humors. They just right. They're just trying to like push yeah. buttons, you know, for fun. But right. I think for the most part, comedians like what they say. I feel like it's what they believe, at least on some level. So when you talk about something real, when you talk about something that's like that, is it is that tough? Is it is it hard to get over that insecurity, or is I, it what's it like? Or, or well, is it super easy? Because it's like what you know. It's yeah. you. you know? I think the best, there's, I feel like there's two types of comedians. There's, there's the comedians that bullshit to get laughs. And then there's the comedians that are real to get laughs. And if you look at the greatest comedians of all time, they talk about the realest stuff ever. If you talk about the, if you think about the timeless comedians like Richard Pryor, um, Eddie. Uh, Eddie. who? Eddie. Eddie. Eddie Murphy, um, uh, man, what's the old guy that died? What's his name? George Carlin. Carlin. George Carlin, uh, Bill Burr, you know, um, all those guys. Carrot Top. Exactly, (laughs) right. They relate to you in a way that you go, I really feel that. You know, and before Louis dropped uh, dropped out of the greatest of all time race, You know, if, if you just 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 cut off what he did for a minute and think about how brilliant everybody thought he was before he right. did that, this it is, was yeah. it was the realest stuff ever. Like it, it, him talking about being a dad, like sang to me. So when I got into comedy, um, you know, no, I don't think it was. It's hard for me. I want to say I think it's hard for some people to do that, but for me, it wasn't hard at first. Um, it gets harder and harder as you go because you know the more you open up, the more you are looking at yourself. And the more you look at yourself, you start to, that's where I, I never thought I had di- um, anxiety and depression. I had no idea what that was. And I never thought there was anything wrong with me. And I thought going to a shrink was stupid. And then as soon as I started to open myself up, as soon as I started to dissect myself on stage, then I started to, that's when all those ghosts started to come in because I was starting to become self-aware yeah. of what a shitty person I am. <laughs> I'm sure that's overstating it, but um, I think what it is is a vulnerability, you know, and I do think of comedians, a lot of the ones that you're talking about who you feel like you're, you know them, you know, I think it's about getting up there and having a therapy session and maybe right. it helps you, maybe it doesn't, but I feel like people are so revealing and so vulnerable and that's the connection, right? And right. that's so interesting. Well, if you, I knew Robin Williams. And if you knew Robin, offstage, he wasn't, um, like, until he got to know you, he wouldn't joke with you. Like, he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't goof around like he does on stage. And he wouldn't be like, yeah, you know, he was just like, hi, hi, you know. And he, you know, and when I first met him, he was very timid and, like, um, you know, and, and wasn't like uh, very talkative. He came up and congratulated me on my set and then he disappeared back in the crowd. And then the next time I talked to him, he was a little bit more. And then by the third time he was joking around all the time with me, you know, and, and I, and what I've got gathered from him because I have seen him on stage before. And then I've seen him goof off in front of a studio, uh, um, a movie studio full of people. We come alive sometimes more 
when when I'm the exception, I think, and there's a few of us that are the exception, is I'm constantly goofing off. I mean, I don't care if I'm in a bus full of people I don't know. I'm going to have fun and goof off and try to get everybody to laugh. But I think most of us do come alive with that stage. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we've, we've interviewed a couple of comedians on the show and they're like serious guys when they're not like on the, the clock, like doing their entertainment thing, you know, whether or not, I, I wonder though, is that the choice sometimes if they're like, I don't want to always be on, if they don't want that pressure of always being right. on. Yes. Um, or if, if just like you say, once that spotlight hits, that's when they come alive, you know? Um, I, and it's probably a combination of both. Well, but, you have... I, you know, my thing is this, is I get, I get pissed off when people say something stupid on Facebook and then I point it out to them and they go, I'm just kidding. What kind of comic doesn't know how to take a joke? And I go, it's not for me to have a sense of humor, you stupid fuck. It's for you to have a sense of humor. <laughs> we don't have a sense of humor. We're dark and we're fucked up. You're like, I make the jokes here, okay? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Bakers are sick of eating cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like uh, I, so that's why, because I, ser- I am a serious person. Like, sure. There's times where I goof off and like, especially when I'm with my family and I'm like, you know, and, and are w- when I'm with my friends, but yeah, I turn it on when I'm on stage cause I have to, Yeah. but for the most part, you know why I tell jokes because I want to get the point across, you know, and sure. I, there's a lot of my comedy where I just goof off, but the, a lot of my stuff is social commentary because I remember watching comedians tell truth on stage when I was like a kid and and then they would say something that was poignant and then the crowd would laugh and I would be like, stop laughing, you stupid fucks. He's telling you the truth. Stop behaving like this. Right. And so to me, like now that I've grown up, I get it. Like, cause I've had people come up to me and be like, you know what, man, I never got what you were saying until you said it and I laughed at it. And I think that's a great way, especially right now, you know, and, and that's the thing, man, is like, um, I think a lot of us, our our sense of humor comes from like somewhere dark because either you were molested or you were hurt or you were beaten or life shat on you and and you've learned to just laugh at all the craziness and bad things that happen in life and so when you're so you're able to chew it up for the rest of society and spit it back out to them to where it's you know it's it's palpable or edible or you know whatever you know, and so that's why I think a lot of us seem like we're serious people when we're when we're just having conversations. Well, there, there's also it seems like higher rates of substance abuse and and depression in com- comedians too, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There is we've talked about this before, but there seems to be high rates of suicide. I mean, maybe it's just that we recognize them because they're big people, they're stars, and we recognize it. Right. But, you know, people like Greg Giraldo that you wouldn't think about necessarily. And Robin Williams is one, you know, he had a a different issue. He had a neurological issue that led to it, but still there is underlying issues happening in, in a lot of comedians. And and it certainly doesn't seem like comedians are the type of group in general to, to, to go see therapists unless it like somehow works into their routine. You know, they're afraid there. I was too. When I went to go, I one of the reasons why I'm such a big advocate for com- comics. Um, if there was a union steward for comics, I would be that. <laughs> you yeah. know, I am a huge advocate for comics because I survived suicide. 
and and um and when i and how by doing that i i finally realized like i am a huge danger to myself right now like i was standing on the bart platform um which is our subway here in the bay area and um i really was like for the first time i was genuinely convincing myself to 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 jump in front of a train and uh, i i didn't but i realized how dangerous that was to think like that and that i was very close to it so i finally sought a therapist and in seeking a therapist i you know i didn't want it it wasn't that i was against therapy it was that if i start to get better then this darkness goes away and i can't be as funny as i am on stage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a majority of us i feel like think that way yeah. that if we get fixed then we don't have to, what we have to make you laugh anymore yeah right, right. musicians what, think think that too yeah yeah, yeah. so artists way. artists in general was that your rock bottom that was that moment i think that was yeah absolutely um i had i had a um I had a great career. Um, I was, I, I had an agent. Things were starting to look good. We were having meetings with um, Comedy Central, and um, my home life was awful. I was, I was touring, um, doing military tours, going from place to place. So I had made a lot of money. I bought a house. I bought a duplex with um, an ex-girlfriend. I came home from Japan um, early one day, and there was somebody else in my bed that looked like me. And um, I lost everything that day. I walked out, like, I lost things my mom had made for me. I lost, that girl, that girl didn't give anything back to me. And, it, and, and in her defense, I was a horrible human being to her. And, um, and that was the beginning of the, that was rock bottom, but then there's that seepage that goes under the rocks. <laughs> That's where I was that day on the BART platform because um, I had been so consumed about being a success and that I had forgotten every, you know, and I wasn't a virtuous person to begin with. It wasn't like I was a good person, but I had gotten so much worse and so much more toxic that by standing on that platform, I was like, I can't, I can't deal with myself anymore and I can't fix myself. I am what I am and I just need to go away. And that was, and, and that was, um, but the fact of the matter is I have a son. I have an 11 year old little boy that I, that, that does think I'm the greatest person in the planet. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, dude, it doesn't even matter if, if you can't do comedy anymore, you have to save yourself. You have to go seek a therapist. You have to find help. You have to change who you are. And that was the, that. So yeah, that was the rock bottom. Was it your son that kept you from, from doing it? You think? Oh yeah, Totally totally like 110 percent, because i just wanted out so bad so bad and i I could taste it do you you think it was like um part of the culture of comedy the traveling and you said the ambition and i assume maybe drinking or something else you know like i i we've i've read enough biographies and like (laughs) people yeah like it's always you know it's part of like being young and traveling and having that goal in sight that might be really difficult to I think obtain. that being a comic was the gas was the fire but the gas was there the entire time right growing up um growing up around um 
toxic masculinity. I hate to overuse that word. Um, I think it's redundant up, at this point. You can just say masculinity. I don't right, know. You yeah, because masculinity toxic. itself is toxic. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's growing up around that, growing up around how you have to prove yourself um, with your fists and your muscles and, and what you own and your dick size and all that other bullshit. And, and I think it was growing up in that way and not having anybody pointed out to me that this is, hey, this is no way to live your life. Yeah. And then not measuring up ever, not ever being able to measure up ever. And then being a comedian and then being good at a comedian, being a comedian. And, and then like, that was the thing is for the longest time, you ask any Bay Area comic that's been around long enough, they'll be like, Butch was a real piece of shit when he started because I was <laughs> I was good and I killed it and I was new and people I was getting on the road with famous comics like within my first two years and so it just was like yeah all that gas from masculinity and growing up um you know poor not poor but like with not a lot of money and going you know going to a rich school you know and like uh a man like um you know, like my my cousin fucking fucking with me, like f- sexually when I was a kid, all that stuff, and then comedy comes along and I kill it, and then boom, there's the fire, yeah. and it's yeah. just this big blazing. I'm on top of the world. Fuck everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says to me. I'm better than you. I travel. I'm gonna be on TV, and uh, watch that. Watch that logs that have been burning for a while just crumble. Yeah. And turn into like smolder and like ash and like there's me at the bottom still, you know, like what do I do now, dude? Where do I go from here? Sounds like a very bad combination of certain things. Um, and you mentioned your son. So Mm -hmm. and if he wanted to, you know, be a comedian and kind of have this lifestyle, you know, he's maybe got the masculinity thing that's for pro or, you know, to his advantage or disadvantage based on your angle, your perspective. Would you encourage or support that or just I will encourage my son to do whatever makes him happy. If he wants to do comedy, I will I will warn him, um, you're not gonna be happy. <laughs> but but go for it. You know, yeah, I will encourage my son to do whatever he wants. I want but... you to be happy, but your choice is gonna make you very unhappy. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're gonna be an artist, no, you're gonna be poor. No, you're right. gonna be struggling, yeah. No, you're gonna be struggling. And you're and t- as far as it goes with my son. Um, I keep that masculinity bullshit as far away from him as possible. Yeah. Um, I, I, I teach him to stand up for himself when he's feeling picked on, but I don't teach him to be violent or, or physically expressive. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I do my best to teach him complete equality. But he goes to school in Salinas and there's a lot of toxic masculinity in that area. Yeah. And so I, I constantly remind him like, look, man, um, everybody should be treated equal. Okay. And everybody should be respected as the way you want to be respected. And that's it. So I don't know, understand why this is so hard to teach your kids this. Yeah. yeah it it does other kids. It's hard, right? It, it is. It is interesting. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm raising sons myself and it's, it's a fine line between trying to have them experience the same things you did growing up, but not, not have them focus on the same nonsense that we all focused on. You know, I mean, growing up in, so Butch and I both grew up in Morgan Hill and at the time Morgan Hill was not particularly 
affluent place. Now it's a little bit more of like a Silicon Valley bedroom community. But there was a lot of that. These guys who were like more afraid of not fighting than they were of fighting. And right. on one hand, that's kind of like good because you want to, to know your kid can handle himself and you want to know your kid is strong and won't get picked on. But you really don't want to teach them some of the same stuff that we learned about what a man is supposed to do and how a man is supposed to act and, how, and, and teach them how to fight and that sort of stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Be, there's got to be a line between um, confidence and like aggression and that's the hard i think the hard line to define for a lot of kids you know well you teach them to walk away you teach mm -hmm. them to accept that other people's opinions of them don't really matter yeah. um you teach them to love themselves more more than anything and but then you also teach them that shit's gonna happen and you gotta suck it up and you gotta walk away from it yeah. And and yeah, someday someone might punch you. Someone someday might intimidate you. You know, but that's not the end of the world. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to your health for a second here. When a vaccine comes out, are you going to take it? I was I've never taken the flu vaccine because I think it's stupid. You know, I thought it was stupid. I was like, get the flu, deal with it. But that's because the flu didn't kill you. You know, or at least it didn't kill you on a like on a level like COVID's killing you. Yeah, you well, know? it can. Just so you know, get your. Oh no, shot. I don't. I know now. <laughs> okay, I know okay. now. But that's the thing is that that's why I say I'm stupid because I fail to educate myself unless I need to. When this COVID thing came, then I learned about the flus, and trust me, from now on, I'm getting a flu shot. Yeah. You know, and 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 all that other stuff. But I was very much in that group of like I, you know, and there's part of me that is like this government is evil this they're the you know they're not looking out for us the government doesn't have our best interests in mind but what i do know is that we live in a capitalist society and that's how i know there's no conspiracy here because a capitalist society doesn't want you to not work a capitalist society doesn't want you to stay in your house and these guys that that say that they care about us i don't think that they do not at least on a level like me or you care about each other yeah. yeah. So you're saying so a vaccine with, you know, obviously that's vetted, right? You know, the one that's coming out next week or yesterday from Russia. No, is, yeah, is not necessarily see. the thing that we need. But you're saying if there's some science and data and smart people that you trust endorsing a vaccine, you'll take it, and that would be the thing. If Kavi and Lizzie on. say it's okay <laughs> to take this vaccine, I will take it. We appreciate your confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's a smart thing to do. I, I think that there's ways that people are getting out in the world and performing and teaching, you know, with um, safeguards, but it's really, it's so inconsistent. And it, I think it's really maybe unreliable right now. So that sounds like smart, yes. um, smart advice that you've taken or that you're giving to people. So thank you for. I am <laughs> only going, I'm only going off of like, well, how would I survive? You know, how am I going to live? happily as a human being in this world right now right with and, a pre-existing condition that, that that thousands of people millions of people have right i think i have i call it the covid trifecta high blood pressure diabetes and asthma <laughs> and 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 i think the majority of us have that yeah um you know whether you blame it on food that you eat or carcinogens in the in the atmosphere or whatever you want the majority of Americans have those three things because I talk to people all the time. 
and and uh and so yeah i feel like i'm the average american and that's where i do that's why i go after people because it's like look dude you're relatable this is it this, let you me are, let me explain america. it to you on my and your level yeah. yeah so that you can understand and some people have come to me and been like you know what bro i i, I thought about what you said the other night and i gotta tell you you're you, you got to me and some people will just go you're most people are like you're an idiot and then they walk away from me or they unplug from me and that's fine that's fine i'm gonna scream this till it i because you know what i honestly i'm i'm acting as if i'm acting as if comedy is not going to come back i'm acting as if entertainment's not going to come back because if i acted as if it was i would sit here and be quiet because i don't want to lose any followers i don't want to lose people right. that would come to my shows right <laughs> but um i can't do that that's i have what? I respect that, man. I, nothing drives me crazier than comedians who try to toe the line. Like, I get it. If your beliefs aren't political, that's cool. If that's really what you believe, you're not political, you don't want to, like, say things about politics because you just don't care. Like, I think right. Regan just doesn't really care that much about politics, and that's why he's never been political. I just don't think he digs it. But I generally just hate it when I get the sense that they're trying to appeal to everyone. They do this Tom Brady thing where they yeah. have like a MAGA hat in their <laughs> locker, but then they secretly talk, then they'll talk about the importance of like cultural acceptance because he knows he plays with a culturally diverse group of people, you know, it just drives me crazy. So Nuts. I, I really, I mean, that's one of the reasons we're so, uh, this is, it's been a long time since I've given a, a, a warrior's rant, but this is one of the reasons why the Golden State Warriors are going to go down as one of the greatest basketball teams in all of basketball history. Because you have a superstar like Steph Curry who decides to stand up for a lot of different things that he really believes in. And yes. he knows he could make a lot more money if he didn't do that. He does it anyways. I mean, and, and it's amazing. The stuff he does is stuff other people just wouldn't do. Um, and, and, and I respect that because that's what he believes. So, I mean, if you do believe it and you do, I really re appreciate that you that you've uh, well, used you your know, voice. You don't hear my politics in my comedy, and so that's the thing. And um, and you know, and and I think that's what keeps a lot of people on the line with me, um, because I have some very like you know pro-Trump, uh, conservative, you know, preserve our heritage people, uh, especially military folks who follow me but they see me on stage and they go, well, he's not that guy on stage. So at least there's that, you mm -hmm. know, but it is like, look, man, um, you want to know the greatest sacrifice you can make as an American, as a Patriot, um, you know, go out there and, and, and be a part of your community, go out there yeah. and, and don't be afraid to take part in your community. And if that means speaking up and talking about what's going on in your community, then you should be able to do that. You know, sometimes people are like, well, aren't you? Cause I've had a few people, I've had several death threats and it's like, yeah, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to die to be a part of my community. Because and also wear a mask and also get a vaccine when it's- Wear out. a mask, get a vaccine. <laughs> These are also ways that you can quote unquote right. sacrifice for your yes. country. Wear Social a mask, distance. Yes. get a vaccine. Not, yes. not, not that hard. And that's the thing, Lizzie, is that people don't realize that's true patriotism. I know. That's why I'm sad. You, you said it. I mean, I'm riding the bandwagon. That's that this is accurate. You know, I think people are not going to get it because they're not, they're worried. They're going to be like, no, let those guys get the vaccine first and we'll see if they die and then I'll get it. You know, I think right. people are not going to be generous and kind and patriotic and 
you know, have a community spirit about the vaccine. I think people are already gearing up. So I'm, I'm worried about that. But anyway, I appreciate your message. So you mentioned that you don't bring it up to your comedy. And first I was like, why, why, why not? But then I realized I'm like, that's, that's okay. That's actually almost better that you draw people in. Cause it's, it's just using the yep. same analogy. It's like Steph Curry doesn't like yell Fauci every time he hits a three pointer or something. Right. You know what I mean? Ooh, that's it's, a great idea. It's like <laughs> he, he, he draws you in with being an amazing ball player. And then you're like, Oh, I guess we should help kids fight malaria prevent malaria, you know, in Africa. So it's like, that's how he gets you. Um, so I, I think I like what you're doing. I think it's a smart. Approach. Well, it's a short death if you're going to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, look, man, um, I, I have a, I have a, well, we're former friends because we're fighting over this COVID thing, but there's a comic named Tyra Vera who, um, who I, I, I still love him. Um, but he, he's a gay dude. And, and he goes and performs in South Texas or in Oklahoma. And he's, and if you watch him, he's very effeminate. And he talks about gay shit all the time. He talks about sucking old dude's dicks. And he talks He's about, funny. Like, he's really funny. He's, yeah, he's hilarious. And one of the things that people go, approach him on is like, why, why do you put up with those people? You know, why do you go out there and put up with those people when you know that they don't like who you are? And he says you know what, I'll have a dude come up to me after a show and go, you know what, man, for a gay dude, you're fucking hilarious, man. Mm -hmm. Fuck, man, I love I love you, but dude, I can't get with that gay shit. And he's like, I don't argue with him. I don't fucking shit on them. And it's funny coming from Ty because he shits on everybody. Yeah. But what he does do is he goes back and he goes online and he talks about himself and who he is. They follow him. And they go, well, you know what? I'm going to make this exception because this is one funny-ass gay dude, you know? Um, and and then they follow him and they see that he's a human being. And then they actually see that his views, you know, right now line up with their views. And, like, you know, and, and that's the one thing that I also follow is, like, yes, let me attract these people with my honey. Come on, mm -hmm. you little bees. Come on in here. Yeah. And then Sweet when I get them, I go, <laughs> I go, hey, listen, by the way, COVID's not a hoax. Stop fucking acting <laughs> stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. All right, man. On that, on that note, uh, thank you so much for coming, dude. You are a great comedian. And I think thank you're... Thank you for having me. You're, you're a great example of what can happen when you try to get insight into yourself, you get therapy, and how much you can grow. I mean, like, just the insight you have into yourself, I think not only does it make you a really great person to talk to and just a good person in general i think it probably makes your comedy even better and your comedy's always been good well, so, thank you i have i have i had fun with you guys i um i did this is was yeah, an man. honor for me it was an thanks honor thanks for coming on uh, and uh, preaching the gospel or where, some of yeah. it where can people find you how do we plug you um you can find me on the, <laughs> the regular pathways um on um on Instagram, Facebook, I have a YouTube channel, which I encourage anybody to check out. But my new jam, my new jam, you guys, and this is curing the comedy blues. And I hope no other comics listen to this so they don't take advantage of what I'm taking advantage of. But find me on Twitch and just chatting. Um, I have a nightly little thing that I do with about 30 to 40 people right now, but I'm growing and growing and growing. Uh, I reached 90 people. Um, I have 90 followers, and I gained that in the last 
five, seven days because I just reached affiliate today. So um, please what is come it? Twitch. Uh, Twitch. It's okay. it, is it like how because we don't use Twitch. Like is for this people an who don't, app? Is it's a app? gaming. It's a gaming platform. It's like YouTube, and it used to be just like YouTube for gaming. And and what it is is like most of it, majority still is. You go on, you watch a guy play video games, and as he's playing video games, you type in the chat, "What's up, uh, Buttface two thousand one? Um, great gameplay." And he'll be like, "Oh, hey, thanks, Teddy Bear Balls," you know, and like and and like, hey, shout out to you, bro, and that's cool. But now it has created a new, more <laughs> bigger thing where it's like. You could watch the uh, uh, Bernie Sanders has a channel where you watch uh, government stuff with him and he talks about it with you. Wait, and he plays video games? And no, he doesn't play video games. He that watches, would be, I would pay to see Bernie. I would pay to see, yeah. Well, what, but is, he'll, well, what is that? Why is that guy shooting at me? What is, <laughs> what is going on here? Um, that was like, the worst Bernie Sanders impression. I know. One worse <laughs> than the other. One worse than the other. I'm sorry, I can't do Bernie. Except when I'm alone with my girlfriend, because one time she told me that she would fuck Bernie Sanders when we first met. So every once in a while, I'm like, okay, Rebecca, I'm going to grab your breast. 1% of the 1% of my tip of my penis. These, these big with, corporations. These with big your penis. consent, I'm going to come over and remove your blouse. That was pretty good. I like the Brooklyn. Uh, so, so, no, Bernie Sanders has his own channel, and he watches uh, government stuff, and you can chat. Find Butch on Twitch and definitely his YouTube channel. Make sure you watch the video of him driving across the Bay Bridge. Um, it's one of my favorite videos of yeah, all Yeah, man. All right. Thanks, Butch. All right, you guys. Bye. Yeah. You know, like, I live in Berkeley, and I'll tell you who the worst offenders of road rage are. They're uh, tiny white women who look like librarians. Say, of course. I'm a big dude and a tiny white woman, so okay, well... I'm really offended. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm neither of the, neither of those. Two. I'm offending I'm everybody. I'm, I'm very much in between those two descriptions. I would You're say. neither. Okay. <laughs> Librarians are the worst. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified healthcare provider for your specific healthcare needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details